Yes. Hello. Hi. How are you? You are listening to the Questions Hip Hop Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kantrowitz. It's very hot right now. And when I record my voice, I have to turn the air conditioning and fan off, which makes it even hotter. As anybody who knows how air conditioning works will tell you, that is part of the science behind that. So I'm going to try to make this as concise as possible. This is a new episode of the podcast, and it is with an old guest. What, you say? How is that even possible? Well, let me break it down to you. Today's guest is House Shoes. He is a DJ and producer and record label owner, Street Corner Music. He, you know, hails from Detroit, and he has shepherded a lot of amazing talent uh, from the city of Detroit, most notably... He was an early champion of the work of one Jay Dilla. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, but he's also worked with a bunch of other artists touring and putting out records and, and just, you know, being a, a champion for artists like everybody from Elzai to Guilty Simpson. Uh, you know, Street Corner Music has become one of my favorite sort of boutique labels. They put out a lot of great records by some of my favorite beat makers, Stro Elliott, Dirt Beats, soundtrack there's a bunch of others we talk a lot about how shoes's uh evolution of the label and what it's like sort of running a rather niche but very potent and and super respected hip-hop label in our present day so we initially had house shoes on the show uh back in 2020 you know he was an early supporter and fan of the show even before the uh the, the quarantine and so he was one of our earlier guests when we were doing the show on Instagram live however this was still somewhat early in our sort of workflow and process and his was one of a few episodes that did not get saved so for all intents and purposes there is no record that how shoes ever appeared on the show so we had to do it right we had to cement him in the history of the questions multiverse and that's why we had him back and it was just as good. I, you know, I barely can remember his first episode just because that was over 100 episodes ago. But a lot of great anecdotes here. Some cool perspective from him. He's seen a lot. He's been around a lot. And he has impeccable taste when it comes to music. So we get into all that. We also spend an inordinate amount of time talking about Club Largo in West Hollywood. Uh, you're probably not ever going to get that on another hip hop podcast before or since. So I hope you guys enjoy this. A uh, big shout out to everybody who's been uh, supporting the show. If you haven't done so already, this is my continual plea. Please rate the show. Leave a rating, subscribe to it, and write a review on the Apple Podcasts app. It is very beneficial in helping uh, the show get discovered, move up the charts, and have more people listen to it. So, you know, if you could do that, if you could do me that solid, I'd really appreciate it. You really want to do me a solid? You feel like that's, you know, barely scraping the surface of what you can do to help support the questions? And you say you also want some cool shit in the process? Join the questions Patreon. Patreon.com slash the questions hip hop. I've got a link for it in the bio. You can join. You can get a bunch of cool bonus things that don't make it into the episodes, early access, other discussions, so much more. Been having a lot of great conversations and cool dialogue in the Patreon. So join that and we're going to get right into it. This is the questions with house shoes. Let's go. Who did it first? Who did it best? Who did it worst? That's the question. 
happening? That remix, and what happened when? That's the question. Let me ask you a question. And if you ain't know what needs, then my guy's knowing what you need. Some answers to the questions. House Shoes is in the house for the second time. He, he he busted his way back in. We tried to change the locks, and he was like, nope, I've been here before. I know where you keep the key. I got, in, got in with a credit card, man. <laughs> That's how you do it. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. You know, slowly uh, coming out the cave. How yes. are you, brother? I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. We were talking off uh, off air just a minute ago. We were both at the Blue and Exile show in Highland Park, and uh, yep. how cool and sometimes a little surreal it feels to be back in a crowded space with a bunch of motherfuckers. But yeah, uh, I, I did miss live music. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy <clears throat> the things we take for granted. You know what I mean? Like my eyes went bad a few years ago. Uh, I my asthma shit started about a decade ago and just taken for granted being around a bunch of people and feeling safe. <laughs> Remember yeah. those days? <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny. I like when I watch movies now or things where people are out in public, I get a post-traumatic stress. Like even in a movie from like the eighties where it, it's totally removed from what the reality is. I start to be like, nobody's wearing masks. They're all so close to each other. Like, what the fuck are they doing? It's like, man, I, I have a feeling I know what everybody's uh, sessions with their therapist are going to be about in the year 2030. It's like such an indelible print uh, in all of our brains these days. Right. Yeah, it was a hell of a pivot. You know what I mean? I've been in Koreatown for, uh, shit, almost 12 years. And, uh, you know, I've seen masks for well over a decade. And, right. you know, when you come to realize that the reason these people wear masks is so they don't get you sick. <laughs> and so they don't get you sick. You know what I mean? It gives It's to give you a window to a little bit more understanding and an opportunity to learn something. You know what I mean? I think the main thing I've learned through this whole experience, uh, for better or for worse, is there's two kind of people. You know, there's people that care about themselves more than everybody else, and there's people that care about other people more than themselves. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that it's become what it has, but it's become what it has because people care about themselves more than other people. Right. It's a reflection of, of people's, you know, priorities and their, yep. you know, all that. So we, we had you on the show before you were, you were on the show, uh, I believe in, I want to say April, um, or yeah, it might've been April, might've been May of 2020. So it's, it's a crazy passage of time. And, you know, we've talked a little bit, so this is, this is interesting too, because I don't know you very well. And I, certainly knew about you and I knew who you were before we ever met, but it sort right. of feels like the world in general has changed. Everybody's perspective has changed a little bit. And you seem like you're a, uh, I guess I would say from my limited knowledge of you before, and then my interactions with you and still viewing you, you know, through online platforms. Now you seem a little more mellow these days. Would you say that that is an accurate statement? And is any of that related to COVID? Uh, I think I just kind of took control of uh, my time and my power uh, and just chose to wield it a little differently. I'm a very passionate person. 
You know what I mean? Like it's real easy to fucking spark the fire. You know what I mean? And I just got tired of people not knowing what I do <laughs> because I talk so much shit because I, you know what I mean? I get hot about shit and it's like, man, it's like standing on the corner and there's a guy that's literally on fire and nobody's paying attention. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, this motherfucker is on fire right now, bro. Like, what are you? No one. Everyone's acting like it's not happening. Like, am I tripping? Is this guy not really burning to ashes right now? And I just kind of fucking I'm trying to wield my sword a little differently. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not necessarily you, you get more bees with honey because I don't fucking need any bees. Um I'm just tired of people fucking not knowing about street corner music, just knowing that House Shoes is a guy that fucking is wildly uh, not uh, just a shit talker. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. And, 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 and just all the misunderstandings. And I never give context on a lot of shit. And people think that I'm fucking mad all the time. It's like, yo, man, when I fucking half of the time, I'm fucking laughing when I post this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not an angry guy. Like I, people say house shoes doesn't give any fucks. House shoes gives all the fucks because if house shoes didn't give any fucks, there would be no triggers. There would be no things to set me off. And it all comes from a place of love and protection. Like always, every time, you know what I mean? People see the rage, but they don't understand that it's coming from, I love a lot of things a lot, very strongly. You know what I mean? Right. Passion, passion gets uh, mislabeled often as rage because they can look similar. And there is sometimes like that overlap of like the Venn diagram. But I think right. I, I totally can understand and relate to that as anybody who has ever dated me understands as well that like I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just like excited and I have a lot of fire, it, it, you know, when I'm talking about something that matters yeah. to me. So, yeah. that Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you get people that say like, you know, well, I feel like I'm misunderstood, but then like fuck what people think, but it's not fuck what people think. You can say that shit all you want, but at the end of the day, you care what other people think about you. There's nobody that says they don't give a fuck that really means that shit. You know what I mean? Right. Cause there's, if you didn't mean it, you wouldn't even say it. You wouldn't need to say it. Cause you, you honestly wouldn't even care. It's like, <coughs> it's like me going outside and be like, I don't care what neighbors dogs think about me. Like why right. would you, why would you say that? It's obviously on your mind if, if you say it, right? right. <laughs> so that's, that's Absolutely. A bit of a far out analogy, but whatever. So you're back on the show. You've already run through the gamut before we uh, were early in our questions days and not yet perfected the archiving process. So your original appearance is lost. There's you and a, a couple other people, Trackstar from Run the Jewels. He's another guy who's uh, slipped through. So we had to have you back to, you know, have you on the record and, and officially insist crazy so it's it's in the ethers with the jenny jones episode they're both in the ethers yes yes exactly jenny jones you and track star that's a that's a, a setup for a joke right there walking to a bar and uh what happened so you know we're gonna get into some hip-hop trivia and we'll uh talk about all of the other uh you know things going on and uh past projects and all that so are you ready to do this thing let's go man all right. This is a little bit different than last time, too, because, you know, we used to do this on Instagram Live, which certainly felt like the best option at the time. But holy oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> freezing like it, it, it was also crazy that there used to be an hour limit early on so like we'd be i'd be having like great people on the show and i'd be like all right, right. it's 59 minutes you got to get the fuck out of here right um, right right so it's definitely uh, the, uh we it took me a while to get here but podcast is where we belong uh yeah yeah so no it's get- been a, it's been a great ride man and it's great to see you fine tune and refine it you know what i mean yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your support through all of it. And there's some other cool things that the world will know about soon. I've, I've talked to you a little bit about it. So yeah. anyway, we're going to get into it. Two of go. the members of up and coming group Coast Contra are the twin sons of this MC. Is it Tajay, Raskas, Diamond D, or Stickman? That would be B, Raskas. He says Raskas, and he is absolutely correct. What I mean, Coast Contra, <coughs> are, are you super up on them? Do you know a lot about yeah, yeah. them? Yeah, yeah, they're very talented. I've been watching for a minute. Um, yeah, the album's a little bit more up the middle than I thought. You know what I mean? I wanted to hear a little bit more, but it's all good. I mean, they got a whole career ahead of them to do whatever the fuck they want to, and they're not making wrecks for me. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I saw them. Uh, I, I did go to another show late last year, which was, I think, really, really one of my first like shows back out. I went to see Merce at the Roxy, and he had them open. I didn't know anything about them. I just knew that they were opener, and I kind of just assumed that they were a local opener, which they are technically. Um, but uh, I saw them, and I was like, "Oh, it's a group! Like there, there's a there's a group of young guys. That's right. kind of novelty." And then I I kind of saw them, and I was like, "Oh, they're they're pretty good." I should try to like get them some beats or something and then you know six months later they're on fallon and like it's like wow no it's amazing the fucking trajectory is super fast yeah man cheers to them kids and yeah the toby placement i think toby's one of the fucking illest dudes in the game right now um toby and guiway and yeah. to see them like and like then now they're on that next you know what i mean so yeah cheers to them kids man so I want to know for you as the founder and the head of operations, you know, whatever title you want to take for Street Corner Music, you you do have to keep your ear to the ground. And I want to know, obviously, there's a lot of people whose records you've released that are homies, friends, associates that you've known for a while. How much as a record label in 2022 how much are you sort of keeping your ears to the streets and trying to scout new talent or is it more kind of organic for you? in terms of the artists that you want to release records with? Uh, it's kind of cosmic, you know, it just happens when it's meant to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I had a dry period where just, you know, life and, and I wasn't hearing anything and I thought I might've lost my fucking ear. Um, and then one day bang, you know, fucking soundtrack and we're back to it. You know what I mean? Um, just building rosters and I don't really, I have so many artists now that I fuck with on the label that finding new things is always important, but not the most important, uh, for the last few years, it's just been clearing plates and, uh, clearing, clearing tables full of full plates. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, not dealing with a distributor anymore has been a very interesting uh pivot you know what i mean i stopped fucking with fat beats a couple years ago yeah and and it's a whole new world uh not the best not the worst you know yeah i was gonna say when you say interesting is that a euphemism for this fucking sucks but here i am or is it euphemism Uh, or is it like interesting like you actually are kind of peeping some interesting things about 
that process? Uh, there's good things and there's bad things. You know, there's overshooting the target. There's undershooting the target. There's hitting the target spot on. You know, there's still records that go poof uh, in a week or so. Other things have, have not turned out as well. But it's, you know, there's nothing more valuable than learning something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's what I signed up for. And, and I'm going to do it till I'm done. So. Yeah. We got a lot. We got a lot more records to do. You know what I mean? I just want to give kids a good ride at the end of the day. I don't give a fuck about, you know, the public fucking whatever. It ain't about house shoes. You know, it ain't even necessarily about street corner music. It's about these kids' records, man. I just want people to hear the records. Unfortunately, there's not really a budget monetarily or in my time outside of existence. So, you know, you just hope for the best. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to hop into the next question then. Question number two. Producer Knotts landed a significant break when he first worked with Buster Rhymes, producing three songs on this LP. Was it When Disaster Strikes, Extinction Level Event, Anarchy, or Genesis? Mm, I want to say it's ELE, uh, B. I I could be wrong, though. I get them mixed up, A and B. So I'm going to say B. B is absolutely correct. It was yeah. extinction level event. Now, Knotts was featured on uh, your uh, album "Let It Go," um, yes, uh, which recently celebrated an anniversary. Ten years, yep. Ten years, uh, June, mid June, two thousand six. No, two thousand twelve. What am I talking about? Two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's obviously, and you guys did some reissues for that, uh, for the album that, that you have available now. What is yes. it like sort of looking back on uh, a record that's 10 years old? Does that feel totally surreal to you? Uh, I'm happy with it. Uh, I feel that it's an accurate depiction of myself as a producer, uh, all the features of personal relationships. You know, it's not cold calls. Those are all the homies. And I think it's a, a dope, it's like a, it's like a crew picture. It's a dope snapshot of what we were all on at that time. Um, I'm definitely grateful to all those cats for showing up for me. Um, we got a cassette deluxe with a couple of knowledge remixes on the website for the anniversary. Um, yeah, shout to Nasto, man. He's fucking illest man walking. You know what I mean? His Instagram puts so much, like, fear and self-doubt into so many producers, I think, because the way that he just consistently... Yeah. Just casually is to- tossing off these amazingly fire tracks. It just yeah. like you can't help but be shook. What, what do you think is uh, in your mind? What is the model for the best like producer compilation? You know, like as a, as a somebody who put out a compilation album, was there one that sort of served as maybe a model or a benchmark for you? That like, okay, this is the standard of a great one because they can they can be spotty. You know, like they, they right. it can be it can be challenging. So which which one takes the crown for you? I mean, of course, you know, one of my favorites is Welcome to Detroit. You know what I mean? Being there and seeing a lot of it uh, take place. uh, It's personal. And, you know, um, yeah, just balance. You know what I mean? You don't make sure you you showcase a a range of talent. You know what I mean? Um, Content wise, you know what I mean? You can have tough guy shit on there. You can have conscious shit, you know have some singing on there, uh, spoken word, whatever. Just make sure there's some type of variety. They don't just get the same fucking song 20 times. <laughs> yeah. 
Because sometimes there's comps that are like, God damn, it's the same song 20 times with 40 different rappers. Yeah, gets a little monotonous. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue dipping into the producer theme here with our third question. Which of the following producers has Black Thought not collaborated with for his Streams of Thought series? Is it Ninth Wonder, Salam Remy, Sean C., or Static Selecta? Uh, D, Static Selecta. He is on his game, folks, but that's because he is house shoes, and Static Selecta <laughs> is the correct answer. Uh, thought somebody who's been having a crazy sort of second chapter yep. are you i don't know if you can divide it as the second maybe it's the third or fourth chapter but it feels True. really good to see the world I, i'm not one of those guys who gets pissed where it's like oh black dot was the illest in 1996 like why right. are you guys so late like to me i'm just like yes give them the flowers now right yeah better late than ever and fuck arguing we could talk <laughs> about rap shit but it's such a waste of time i don't get like all the arguing like the angry rap arguments because you're not arguing about rap music you're arguing about how someone feels about whatever said album or song or topic is yeah a lot, a lot of weight off the shoulders and a lot of time saved when i had that little epiphany a few years ago it's just shit in general you know what i mean like you're never arguing about what the topic is you're arguing about with how they feel about it right and when when you're defending it, you're defending what you think your opinion represents for you. And it, it, it's it's like it's always it's not about this, it's about that. You know, right. whatever it is. Uh, so there's there's there are facts that exist though. Let's never not get that fucked up. Everything's not up for discussion. Right. So there's factual things in this world too. You know, there's science is awesome too. Paging Dart, yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say Paging Dart Adams when it co comes specifically <laughs> to that, but yes, uh, shout out to science and uh, scientists and medical professionals as well. <laughs> yes, Dart Adams, the human rap encyclopedia. The man who will correct DJ Premier about a Gangstar release date because he's like, actually, Prem. It got pushed. <laughs> Yo, did you see what I posted? That was a ill little kind of questions trivia thing. I never, and I don't know how I never realized it until 26 years later. <laughs> Stakes is high came out on Ahmad Jamal's birthday. I remember you posted that, and yeah, I I, I remember that was like, oh shit, I had no idea about. Yo, that, that fucking. You want to talk about cosmic? Because there's no way that they planned that. It's not that they were like, all right. We no, it got pushed. It got pushed two weeks right before, like it was supposed to come out, and then it got pushed those additional two weeks, and that had it land on Ahmad Jamal's birthday. But they, but not intentionally. Like they weren't like trying right. to hit. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's wild. That sort of uh, that cosmic, you know, coincidence there. That was that. that yeah, I, I love stuff like that. That you can't argue about that either. <laughs> yeah, and the, and everybody who's listening should know. But the reason it's so crazy is because <clears throat> Ahmad Jamal Swahili Land is the source material for the title track stakes is high on that album produced by jd bang, bang. See, this is how she's being a proper host and actually putting things into context like, yeah. i had that thought the other day like man i've been doing all these and like i kind of i'm trying to do a better job with the introductions of these episodes because i just assume that if you're like you know down with the questions and you're listening like you know who all these people are but then i'm like right oh there's like actually millions of people on the planet and like maybe i want to be a little <laughs> more welcoming that like this right. is who how she <clears throat> is you know just no. not just audible me. Slow audible footnotes. Exactly. I know. Right. I know. I, I got to work on that. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to move into the final question in our first round. And uh, this is another familiar face. Quelle Chris is no joke, but he does like to laugh. Which of these comedians has not appeared on a Quelle Chris album? Is it Anthony Jeselnik, Josh Gondelman, 
Hannibal Burris or Nick Offerman? Fuck, man. We had to turn the heat up shoes. We yeah, just, we yeah. Just softball and this is this is this is some Largo shit too. Uh, um, you, you see how my brain works when I uh, when I put <laughs> these games together. Exactly. Man, I've never heard the name Josh Gondelman. I feel like Offerman was on it. I think Justin Nick and I know Burris was. Man, it's a coin toss between B and D for me. Even mm. though they might be wrong. Uh, I don't know if Jesselnik would be on it because he seems like he's kind of a – I can't see him as a rap dude, though, either. Mm. But I wouldn't look at Nick Offerman as a fucking rap dude. Oh, you just get the whole stream of conscience as it's coming. Um, I love it. I love it. It's it's content, baby. And I don't think we've had an A. I'm going to say, hey, fuck, I think he might have been, but Jesselnik, oh, I don't think it's right. Jesselnik is – Correct. He yeah. is not here. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Anthony Jeselnik has been on, uh, he did the interludes on a Year Old Droog album. So he is, he is yeah, something. See, you are a sneaky motherfucker for that because it's like that it could get gray area. You could, I know I heard him on a record. Fuck it, that was, you know. Yeah, so I, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've all been, uh, Josh Gondelman uh, is a comedian and also a huge hip hop head. And he also was, uh, I believe, the head writer for Jesus and Mero as well. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. But yeah, you you sort of uh, addressed this, and uh, uh, I wanted to talk about it. You've been uh, popping up a bit more frequently at Club Largo in uh, West Hollywood, which is uh, a totally sort of different scene, I think, than what people might associate with you. You know, for those who don't know, uh, Largo is a pretty like interesting club. I, I've been trying to explain it to people because I've been uh, frequenting uh, it more recently, but they sort of get a lot of like top level comedian and artist mm. acts. And uh, it's just a really dope vibe in, in Los Angeles. What has it been like for you as, as a DJ who has been doing a lot of like the pre-show and post-show events there? <coughs> Oh, it's amazing. I, I tell people that like Largo is the kind of the intersection of music and comedy in LA. Um, and one of its main purposes is if someone's got a new act or some new material and they want to kind of watershed it and rehearse it, that's kind of the, the playing field for that type of shit. If Sarah's got some new shit or, you know what I mean? Russell Brand will do like a whole week. And it's dope, man. Just like flying the wall, just seeing them get their new shit together. And uh, it's the rare venue in another way where the entire staff from the ownership to the fucking valet are just the coolest people that you've ever been around. Venues are shitty. Like yeah. there's always a bunch of dickheads at a venue. You know what I mean? A lot of egos, none of that there. Uh, no computers are allowed. You have to play vinyl. They do not want you to play uh, typical shit. Like, they don't want to hear Pink Floyd. Like, it's too pedestrian. Play too shit expected. that pe people yeah. haven't heard. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, fuck the crowd. You play for the staff and the <laughs> management. You know what I mean? These are like going against the cardinal rules. Of, oh, it's the best. Typical, yeah. It's I, the best. I love it. Yeah. And just to be clear, also, it's for comedians or musicians, but like people who are top level, you know, like yeah. Judd Apatow does nights there. And yeah, he Pete has a Holmes. monthly. Sarah, yo, Pete, man, I just, I don't, usually I just fucking do my set and, and jet unless, and the funny thing is like some of the, the people that I really check for, their crowds are fucking like Bill Burr has the most sterile crowd, <laughs> which is really wild to me. Just totally 
antiseptic, not a fucking head nod, not a finger tap. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, it's some good times, though. You know, just getting the casual, like, someone will say thank you just, like, when they're walking past on the way into the show. I love it, man. It's not a, it's not a bag. It's not a fucking uh, a crazy amount of money, but it's a very kind of uh, different and, uh, you know, interesting, interesting job. I never really give a fuck about the crowd when I DJ anyway. Right. So it's it's just a place where I can go play like my fucking favorite records that week. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for what it's worth, it, it certainly I think would have value in that you are rubbing shoulders and being in in the room or the patio, as it were, to, with like yeah. a lot of people who you never know what kind of relationships. And because everybody is so cool, you know, it's not just a it's not just a cut and dry kind of like all right, I get the fuck out of here type thing. Yeah, um, and with COVID and everything, it's a lot safer than being inside with a bunch of motherfuckers. You know what I mean? And what I really did appreciate as well is that they seem to be like, out of all the not, menus. They are not playing, bro. They are not playing at all. They come out and they're like, hey, you have to wear your mask. And, oh, you want a drink? This is how you do it. You pull your mask down. Yep. Just take a sip. Mask yep. goes right back up. Still, and- you still got to show your vaccine cards. You know what I mean? Like, they're not playing. This shit ain't over with yet, man. I, yeah. I understand that you. everyone wants their convenient little life back, but, you know. 1500 plus people are still dying across the world every day you selfish motherfuckers you know what i mean like it's not there ain't gonna be no normal and i think the really wild shit is man we started wearing masks and fucking washing our fucking hands and god damn when's the last time i got sick right like when's the last time you got sick what's so fucking inconvenient about not getting sick yo like it's it raised the bar for hygiene, but motherfuckers want to make it a problem. Like, man, this is fucking again. This is fucking my rights up, man. I should be able to get sick. <laughs> and the whole point is, yeah, motherfuckers is getting sick and they're dying. <laughs> As somebody who uh, went to and probably still will go to a lot of shows, I also appreciate wearing masks because I don't have to worry about people's breath or my breath being like kicking. Like, it's amazing. And like, you know, sometimes when you're at a show, maybe you're a little tired, you, you feel self-conscious about yawning. I could yawn right. with my mask on now. It's amazing. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's like a security blanket. <laughs> I'm fucking uh, bored and no one can tell. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to the Largo. I, I definitely, you know, I went to, uh, I believe that I went to the last Pete Holmes show was maybe like a month or two ago. And I think I narrowly missed you there. And my, my okay. girlfriend was like, Hey, I don't like really remember him, but I think that like that guy, that was like that guy house shoes that you had on the questions out there. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. I like, I, cause this was before I knew it. I was like, that, right. that would be very weird for him to be here. I, I think I would have known that. And then I looked- no, I've been there for 10 years, bro. Like since they right. moved pretty much. And that's a big shot. The homie, uh, fat Albert Einstein. Uh, my man, Chris from, from Largo, that's, that's his house. That's been his house since they were on, uh, on Fairfax. Like he's the DJ, you know, those are his turntables. He's got a big room of records up there. It's super fire. So he, he brought me in like 10 years ago, you know, and we, we carried away. He's only doing it and big, big love to him right now. He got in a shitty fucking surfing accident and broke like six ribs and deflated his lung and shit. So he's at home healing up big love and uh, good energy to the homie fat out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. It's funny. The first time that I ever came to LA in 2005, 2005, I want to say, yeah. Uh, the first night I was there, I went to Largo and, uh, I saw John Bryan, uh, yep. you know, the producer who is Kanye and Fiona Apple and all the soundtracks and stuff. And then I, 
you know, I was just visiting and then I moved back to LA like eight years ago and I only went back to Largo for the second time three ooh, months ooh, ago. Ooh, so ooh, I don't ooh. know why I sort of forgot about this place, but it's great. Man, those John Bryan shows were fucking legendary, bro. Like I, I, I had no idea what I was getting into when I, when I went, it was just, we were, I was going, we, I was in California cause we were going to Coachella in 2005 and we stopped in LA for the night. So, right. and somebody's uh, a friend's like older brother. So I was like, Oh, I got to take you to the spot. And we we're like, okay, well, we didn't know anything. Like we were just right. like, okay, we'll go here. And then I was like, Oh my God, God, I think I know this John Bryan guy. And then when he started doing these shows where he's like using looping pedals and yeah. playing all of these instruments, Woo. it was like, this is no one will even believe me if I tell them about what right. that is. It's, right. All the requests, the second half saw, uh, man, Pop the Magic Dragon. Yeah. <sighs> Fantastic. Anyway, this has been an extended infomercial for Largo. Uh, use promo <laughs> code Sean House Shoes to get 10% off at your uh, next show. Um, right. Shoes, you have done flawlessly thus far. We're going to move into our second round, which is a new version uh, of, of the show that is more conducive to podcast listeners. It is called Check the Rhyme. And in this okay. round, I'm going to play you a snippet of a song, and it's going to cut off, and you have to complete the rhyme of the Oh, wow. Okay. There. So uh, we're going to get into it. This is the uh, first artist. Uh, one that is familiar, I'm sure, to you. This is a Slum Village uh, song, so <laughs> we will uh, get into it. This is the lyric. First place, you made a crucial mistake. My crew congregates just to aggravate. Come with plots to infiltrate and abbreviate. And if you think we out, shit, we got rhythm for days. Take it to another phase with your ass with the Oh, fuck. You're going to get me on all these, man. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible with raps. Um, terrible with raps. Oh, I'm, no. I'm a I'm a beat guy. So I like I listen to lyrics. Ninety percent of the time, I'm listening to lyrics as an instrument. I'm listening to the voice as like just a cadence, as a percussive place. Especially with slum. Especially oh, with slum. That's what they fucking were. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm not even. I don't even know the slum shit. Like. Just, eh. I'm going to, this may, because this is like the third time I've done this round, I may retire this. This might have been a failed thought experiment because I'm having a lot of people that I are very knowledgeable about all this shit who are right. like, I can't do it, but this is the lyric. Another phase with your ass on stage. Have you feeling the blaze of NWAs? Have you feeling the blaze of NWAs? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, if I was a rapper, I would be like, I'm a DJ, so like I, I nod my head to the beat. If I was a rapper, I'd be like saying the raps. You know, well, what you'd mean? be surprised because I've had some rappers on the show, and they still are—they don't know nothing. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know, maybe that's just because they know their own shit and they don't really know other people's shit. Right. Um, so you know, uh, I read the Dilla Time book uh, when it came out last year, and and you you yep. were featured in that, and you, obviously you've been so uh, tied to the story of Jay Dilla and Slum Village, and you've been such an early uh, you know um, proponent of 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 that group. Um, do you feel like there's at this point? It, 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 do you think that we're like that the world will get, and do we need like a Jay Dilla movie? Like, is there anything like that you sort yeah, of see? Yeah, of as, course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's not already in production, I mean, who knows? I definitely, you know, it's capitalism. <clears throat> um, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I got a, a book brought a lot of shit back. You know what I mean? Uh, that was the end of that shit. There was a period that it just got kind of dark. You know what I mean? Um, right. And the book brought some of it back. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess they call it trauma. 
(laughs) (laughs) I've been dealing with my trauma. No, you know what I mean? Like all the right things for all the right reasons, man. I, you know, that's my brother till the end of days. I put out his first record. I played his shit in the public, public place for the first time. And, uh, I'll always be a proponent for his music. Um, I just prefer the catalog uh, while he's still that he created while he still had breath in his lungs. Yeah, I mean, you and that's I mean? That, that's, and that's no shots. I'm not starting no shit. I'm not about to argue with a motherfucker. No. Oh, y'all go sit down, <laughs> chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, and that, that's not even a hot take for really any artist. You know, I right. think I think for most people, the the posthumous stuff is always kind of graded on a curve anyway, and uh, it rarely uh-huh. is as potent and good. It how the fuck could it be? It, like yeah. you can't compare music that was created and signed off and completed by the artist versus stuff that, for all intents and purposes, was never intended to to see the light of day. So right, I think as shitty as some of those these posthumous records are, I think one of the grossest things uh, is like the Dilla stands, like that shit is so gross. Like, what do you just, mean? In what way? Just the 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 Dilla stand, fucking brownie point rare. I got some rare shit you ain't got. Da, 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 da. And just the fact that at the end of the day, none of them have a, a educated foundation on any of it. You know what I mean? Um, right. My beats are turning up on fucking unreleased Dilla beat albums now. You know what I mean? And if that don't show you how fucking stupid motherfuckers are, like, and how uneducated you are, like, you're making a permanent document. Hey, man, my beats are on there. <clears throat> and just like Dilla didn't want anybody to hear those beats that are on there, I didn't want, I didn't want nobody to hear them beats. You know right. what I mean? Right. And it's just gross because motherfuckers act like they know every fucking thing. They know that, man... Man, Dilla got the illest social security number ever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also that sort of gross trying to brag about shit that isn't even. But you don't. But none of them know. Like right. literally, none of them generationally now. It's just they're very far removed from the, the original source. But I mean, that's why at least I thought that. Uh, Dan's book, I think, is a good resource because I think in terms of laying out the information, you know, you, you could call people <clears throat> dumb, but really it's just maybe that they're just uneducated. They don't know. Yeah. Like, how, right. how, could, how could a 15-year-old today really know about that time uh, and, and all of the players and the components of it? So, you know, I, I, I was a big fan of that book, and I definitely so think So they should feel, in turn, they should feel that they are a student, not a teacher, because they all feel like they're fucking teachers. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. I'm I'm the fucking teacher. You know but, what I mean? But also it, it, to extend that even further, where is most of that posturing happening? It's happening on the internet, where people are just notoriously grandstanding yeah. and and just oh. people would never say and have that same confidence talking to you or anybody about you it know. Stopped, oh, it I, I know. stopped being about good or bad a long time ago. It kind of got to be about rare, and that's how the records got so bad. Right. Just because ain't nobody heard it. There's a fucking reason, homie. <laughs> that shit wasn't that good. Right. Like, I, I remember back in the day, I was kind of not capable of saying that Dylan made a bad beat in the prime. It was all like even his worst beat was better than a lot of people's best beat. But yeah. he's got a lot of shitty beats, man, in hindsight. Oh, my God. How she said Dylan got shitty beats. He's got shitty beats. You motherfuckers have been putting them on records for the last 10 years. Right. That's why and, his fucking manicured fucking collection of music that he left with us was so perfect because he cared so much and all that shit was in a trash can in the basement for a reason. Right. A big ass trash can in the corner that was full of tapes 
floppies, dats, CDs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was the trash. He kept it, but it was the trash. Right. And that, that's a misnomer about genius where they think that people who are great are just great at everything they do. And they don't right. realize literally in this case, the reason why some people are great is because they fail a thousand times before yeah. they present you the one that is the refinement of that. And yeah, right. that's anyway, I promise, you know, I feel like it's a, a topic that you've, you've spoken about to death. That will be the final Jay Dillon. No, that's all good. And that's, that's all good. Cause that's like current events. I ain't talked about that. And now I don't have to anymore. Hey, you heard it, you heard it here it. first and, and only here on the question. So we're going to move into the second question in this perhaps dubious round that uh, I might retire after this. <laughs> I don't like I don't like people uh, not, uh, you know, looking great on this show. So this is a lyric by uh, another deceased uh, rapper. Well, T3 is obviously not deceased, but we were talking about Dylan. Uh, Prodigy. Yes. Boy P, man, take your baby mom's advice. I'm nothing sweet, it with the guns. You pay the price when you see me in the street, soldier, salute me. Oh, you gangster to shoot me. I don't know the just a groupie. Oh, you gangster to shoot me. Yeah. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take yeah. it, I'll take it. Yes, he's he's uh, the unofficial third member of Mob Deep, folks. Uh, oh man, hype man! <clears throat> First time I cried over a fucking musician. Period. Not just a rapper. I, when Prodigy died, I oh, I was a newborn baby over here, bro. Woo! Yeah, because it was so sudden too. You know, I mean, obviously his his uh, his illness was documented, but it didn't seem like he was on his way out for sure. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that record was my best friend for you know. 20 25 years damn near at that point jesus had you uh had you met him before no and i'm grateful i didn't because you don't want to like sort of taint. i'm a fan i'm a fucking fan like sometimes you just got to be a fan ain't shit wrong with that ain't shit wrong being a fan oh you dealing motherfuckers (laughs) and just be a fucking fan man put unplug your keyboard Yep. Unplug the keyboard. All right. We're going to move into the third, uh, the third and final in this round. We got the, uh, the duo of EPMD. I knew I was the man with the master plan to make it wiggle and jiggle like gelatin. Just think while I sing and to the bring structure. Don't sleep on the E. You see something might rupture. It don't take time for me to blow your mind. Uh, give you something, something. Nope. (laughs) It don't take time for me to blow you your mind. mind. Uh, nope. All right, here we go. It don't take time for me to blow your mind. It take a second to wreck it because you're dumb. Yeah, it's a second. I knew, I knew it was time related, but yes. I couldn't remember. Man, that shit fucked me up when I heard that fucking PMD produced the first Strictly Business album. Yeah, like uh, that. That that's shit a- fucking twisted my whole head up, bro. Like, wow, one of the first fucking albums that I really fucked with like super heavy and you have this fucking <laughs> you have this image that you know you think you know what the fuck it is and 30 years later guess what no nah, he did that record i feel like epmd doesn't get the recognition that they oh that they man should. why do you think that, that is generational yeah and they had four fucking solid ass records i mean they're definitely in the I mean, I'd say possibly top five rap groups ever, easily. You know what I mean? Like consistency, uh, 
a sound like Eric Sermon. They were both fucking dope as fuck on the raps. That shit was fucking fantastic. Yeah. Well, Eric and Parrish making dollars. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, we're going to move on to our third round now. And uh, yeah, I do think I'm uh, going to rethink the check the rhyme round moving forward. <laughs> um, but now we're into the producer crate. The third round is our digging in the crates round. It's all about samples. I'm going to play you a sample, ask you a question about it. So let's get into the first question in this round. Library Music Cue, Pots and Pans by Anthony King and John Matthews was sampled on a song by this artist. Was it A, Beanie Siegel, B, Jadakiss, C, Open Mike Eagle, or D, Pusha T? Here is the sample. Tea. I'm so bossy, bitch, get off me. It's a different jingle when you hear these cocky. So I, I wanted to use this to sort of speak about um, producers. And, you know, you mentioned him earlier, but a guy like Soundtrack, that, that, the, his whole ascent is super crazy to me. He's another guy who's really making great use of social media and also sort of doing you know, it, it's almost as though, I don't want to say that the beats were made only for like videos and social media, but they, they fit very well. They, they, trans, they translate very well. Yes, absolutely. How did you and, discover him? Like, how did you, not that you were the guy who discovered him, but like, how, how did he kind of come onto your radar? I met him, uh, man, maybe like five years ago at Nam, uh, and he was playing beats with his homie Zenon. And I gave him a card and told him to send me a pack, and he never sent me a pack. And then I met him again somewhere, and I told him to send me a pack, and he never sent me a pack. And then I want to say <clears throat> my homie, Simi, uh, Simi Auto, uh, had him send me a pack. And he sent the fucking pack. And I was like, I ain't losing my ear. Fucking thank God. <laughs> and the first beat I heard was the Krogbin flip. And I was like, you got a record. I just need, you know. 35 more minutes worth right that's how it is i can tell immediately like four bars in two bars in like oh man he's got it right, let's see how fast you can knock the shit out and just he kept sending packs sending packs and then we had the record and then there was like one last kind of redraft because like early early in uh you know COVID days, all these little producer rooms started opening up where people were like playing beats. And he was on this joint called Session In one night and he played like three or four joints. And I was like, hey, man, you better fucking, we got to fucking move some shit around. <laughs> yeah. And with those additional cards, I, you know, those four joints came in and I had to completely, you know, resequence the album for those for it to make them as much sense as possible and with it that last fucking sequence whew. so you you have an active hand in sort of compiling the sequence and oh, arrangement ev everything you can't turn in a record to me and i put it out that's not how it works i mean there are records on the label that have been you know like other people's records that hey man what the fuck are you doing man just give me the record i'll put it out right right <laughs> um but yeah i'm very heavy-handed like you give me a hundred beats, two hundred beats, fucking Mike and Keys album. The next record that's coming out is Mike and Keys album, mm. and uh, I went through like two hundred beats, 
and comes out in August. And it sounds like it could be, could have been Nipsey's next album. Wow. Like it's, it's fucking heavy, man. It's called Formula One. I'm really excited. The, the record should be landing soon. Uh, bless Mike and Keys, man. At Nipsey passed, you know. I had a bunch of homies that know each of us mutually, like that knew Nip and knew me. And like, oh, y'all never met? Like, mm. man, he would have loved you. Y'all were the same fucking person. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. And then I finally went over there uh, to the studio. Um, after Nip passed, he told me to pull up. And I went through there. And they got the fucking Dilla doll right next to the console. They said whenever Nip would come in, he would holler at Dilla first thing. And like, come on, bro. Wow. Like, See, that's one of those what? things that like it makes sense. But like, I think in our our very broad strokes, it's like that could be a surprise to somebody. They'd be like, oh, like like Nipsey knew who who Dilla was, you know? Right. It, but it, it's cool to see that. I mean, look, I'm not the first person to say it. Like, good music just transcends any kind of, you know, man-made right. boundaries or, or you know, True stereotypes. That. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and Mike looks at me and he's like, "We want to do an instrumental record on Street Corner Music." <laughs> You're like, say and less. Yeah. Like, we're getting guess what the fuck you about to do? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just super gracious, man. And you know, like, I'm really grateful, man. Like. There's a lot of motherfuckers that get it. There's a handful of people that don't, but the war that you got to wage is who, what are you going to give your attention to? Mm-hmm. Are you going to give your attention to the people that aren't listening or are you going to give your attention to the people that are listening? Right. And depending on how you woke up in the morning, it might not be the same on a day-to-day basis. Just yeah. keep it, you know what I mean? We're all human. Yeah, we're all human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I can't wait to, to hear that because, yeah, every everything that you put out, obviously not only because of your hand in the arrangement of it, but also just your taste is you have a track record that speaks for itself. So thank you, brother. You know, I think you've really reached a good place when you can uh, rely just on the brand to be like, okay, I'll, I'm going to listen to this at the very right. least because you know, right. he hasn't let me down thus far, you know? Yeah. I'm not a big sports guy, but I'm big on batting averages. And I think I've got a pretty decent batting average. You yeah. know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right, we're going to move into the penultimate question in uh, in our our third round. The main ingredients, Magic Shoes, was most popularly sampled by Large Professor for main sources Faking the Funk. But in 2002, this producer also flipped it for his own group. Was it A, Chief XL, Ooh. B, Ninth Wonder, C, Pharrell Williams, or D, Fess One? And I'm going to play you the portion of the magic shoes that was sampled by the producer mm. in question. Fuck man, I'm 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 not a hundred on any of these producers, just to keep it a buck. Um, but it really sounds like some ninth wonder shit to me. Okay. Once again, proving why he has impeccable taste, impeccable <laughs> batting average, not even sure of the answer, but he is correct because little brother <laughs> is the group and ninth wonder sampled it for this song. Fire. Fire. 
settlement. I rhyme at the crime scene and purposely leave the evidence. The song was Fire. called On the Way. It was uh, on the Chitlin Circuit mixtape. Um, you know, Little Brother was just one of those groups and still is, but especially in that time, so many of the albums or so many of the songs that they dropped, they dropped such great things that weren't even on albums. They were on mixtapes. Right. They were on sort of these little one-off projects that were basically albums you know people say yeah. oh little brother you know they have three albums or now they have four albums it's like yeah they really have like seven or eight when you right. compile yep. all that stuff absolutely um and you know that kind of also speaks to you know ninth sampling you know that this song that was very popularly uh sampled by large professor it's cool you know hearing a lot of things on your label producers taking material that's been it's it's almost like uh, it's like Indiana Jones where it's like, this is the, the, the lamp that you must not touch. If you touch it, you know, the huge, the yeah. huge like boulder is going to roll down and you have guys like Stro Elliott or, or soundtrack. They're just like, mm, and they take it and yoink and they run with right. it. It's right. like, wow. It, it reminds me too of like the, uh, the just blaze flip of super freak that he did back, uh, right. you know, for, right. for Jay-Z or initially on his MySpace. Um, is that ever like, a fear for you as a label owner in terms of clearance or you just kind of no, like, no, no, I don't care. I haven't cleared anything, but the way the, the workaround is like with the soundtrack flips where it's all just such obvious source material and there's intros, there's no digital, right? You can buy it on the band cam, but there's no streaming and you know, there's 500 records. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's cool. Like and the funny thing is in regards to that, like <clears throat> when I started doing flip sessions 10 years ago, um, it was about finding ill samples that no one used. And it's it's grown to be like, no, let's hear somebody beat this shit up again. At first, it used to be like, man, they already, that sample's worn out. And some samples are like worn the fuck out. Like, bro, put the record away. You know what I mean? Like modern, in modern times, like a lot of rappers don't listen to a lot of other rappers. Right. Because the fact that like, you know, in the last, fucking five years i'd say probably 25 to 30 rappers of uh somewhat of public you know our visibility have sampled that fucking rubber the waystar shit you right. know what i mean yeah and it's like come on bro like and 90 percent of them are literally the same fucking beat it's right. the same shit. like step it up man just fucking go on who sampled and make sure that your whole album ain't already come out <laughs> it's very easy it's a quick one-stop shop you just type it up in that search bar and yeah that's that's certainly what i do whenever i find a sampler or something where i'm like all right let me just make sure a, right. i'm not as concerned about people like having used it but it's just like let me make sure that i'm not doing the same what, thing what was done and that yeah that is kind of like the new challenge whereas i think before i guess it's relatively easy to find things that nobody has ever found before because now we all have the internet and right. the rules that never really existed but the rules about sampling used to be like it must be from vinyl and it must be this right now, you could it's very easy to find sounds you know I, now I it's, it must be sampled from youtube <laughs> right exactly <laughs> no but i'm saying like there's there's such a wide net that you could cast that it's not really like ooh, like props for you finding that youtube video like like, right. So the the flip of that, no pun intended, is okay. This is something that everybody has heard. We all know this. What are you gonna do? Right. To, to, yep. And yeah, I, I love your your flip uh, sessions as well. Yeah, like the fucking. That's why I wanted to do the impeach the president. And I told him I was like, it's not. You're not gonna get tossed out if you don't. But just fuck with the record. Right. Nothing else. I want just like show me who the boss is. 
Like you don't. That's it. That's just sandbox. That fucking seven inch. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, we're gonna close out this round with one more sample. Uh, I knew this would be a fun round to talk with you. We are pivoting to the incomparable Bob James. Bob James's Nautilus has been sampled so many times. This is another one that's been sampled uh, left and right. But who amongst this group has not sampled it? Is it A, Cannabis, B, Merce, C, Danny Brown, or D, Ghostface Killer? And just for the benefit of our, of our listeners, I'm going to play a little bit of Nautilus right now. <laughs> Amongst this group has mm. not sampled it. I might be tripping, but Danny. Hmm. All right. Maybe I might be tripping. I think I'm wrong from your your reaction. Well, but I, I, one thing I want to ask is, uh, I have a question. My mm. question is, when the fuck is anybody going to ask Bob Mers or ask Bob James about when he said fuck hip hop? Well, like, no, like literally everyone acted like he never said it and motherfuckers is giving him hand jobs and interviews and shit. And that disturbed me because he literally said that like it was damn near racist. You know what I mean? It was like them black motherfuckers can't play instruments. Like shoes. go, go, go find those interviews, please. Shoes, what can I tell you? We can see from the photo he's wearing a backwards hat. He's obviously down. He's oh, he's uh, so hip hop. Yeah, he, he has no problem with it. Yeah, uh, I think you know. I think for a guy like him, he probably you know obviously had a really bad hot take early on. But w what can you do at this point? Well, like, you gotta address it. You can't just act like you never said it and then be campaigning fair. for motherfuckers to sample your music when prior to that, when they did sample your music. You basically call them fucking monkeys. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not cool. Not cool at all. <laughs> Fuck Bob James until he speaks on that shit. And uh, the funny thing is, for the soundtrack shit, he beat up Nautilus, and I don't even—I didn't even ask him if we could clear it. Fuck him. <laughs> um, you, uh, yeah. Shout the shout the track lib though. Shout out to Tracklib. Um, you might want to check on your boy Bob, though. Maybe, maybe not all is, is what it seems with a, with a backwards cap, Bob. This is such a cringy photo as well. Oh, my God. Um, he's like, hey, kids, do you like sampling records? Uh, so you, you're saying that you think that it's Danny Brown, then? That's your final uh, answer. I mean, I know Ghostface. I'm not super uh, familiar with. Murr's catalog. I'm not super. Uh, cannabis was like a one hit boy to me, in all honesty. And Danny's the homie. Uh, and he's got a lot of records, but I can't recall him on Nautilus. So I guess I got to stick to that. I don't think I'm going to have a good batting average today. All right. Well, we're going to see. I'm going to actually do a little playthrough reveal here. We're all going to learn something here. So first of all, yes, obviously, this was probably one of the most prominent uses of it was Ghostface. Yeah. You track it like a bangers in hundred wide boxes. No Jocelyn, he's cash while little JP Dellian. Sip our response out of weed. On the album Murray's Revenge with Merce and Ninth Wonder, uh, Merce also sampled it. Good legend, you should feel threatened. Front, I'm going to show you what's good in a second. The best in the business. I mean, what? And then finally, the grand reveal also sampled by the Shakespeare of 16s. Dipping my ink. Ah. Ah. 
That's right. It's yeah. Perfect. Danny Brown <laughs> sampled yep. it. So Cannabis was the only yep. one not to sample it. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of useless information for a human brain to, uh, <laughs> to keep. So don't, don't worry about that batting average. I think that you're, uh, you're in all right shape. But now we have moved on to our final round. And the final round is called Time's Up. This is our speed round. We oh, will have shit. 90 seconds to answer, answer five non-multiple choice questions in the category of your choosing. Today's categories oh. are health is wealth, oh, king shit, or bugs and out. You choose your category shoes. You will have 90 seconds. Let's go king shit. Let's go king shit. All right. Uh, I will go through the rules here. You will have 90 seconds to answer five questions in the category of your choice. If you do not know the answer, you can say pass and we can come back to it. But if you answer it incorrectly, we will uh, then have to burn that question and you are done. So I have OC's time's up here, and it is time to 90 seconds. So when we stop hearing the instrumental, you will know that your time is up. Are you ready to do this? Uh, let's go. All right. House shoes, second time up to plate here. He's doing king shit. Let's get into it. What was the lead single off of T.I.'s fourth album, King? Oh, fuck. Uh, the, uh, uh... Pass. All right. Compton rapper King T was largely responsible in mentoring this hip-hop trio. Alcoholics. That is correct. All right. Rapper King Mez broke through in a big way on Dr. Dre's Compton album, where he wrote most of the songs. What state does King Mez come from? I don't know. All right. We're going to pass on that. Mm -hmm. Run DMC tapped this producer to get behind the boards on the first single from their sixth album, Down With The King. P-Rock. P-Rock is correct. In 2021, Detroit uh, rapper Frank Nitt teamed with this producer for his album, Serene OG. Uh, King Michael Coy? King Michael Coy is correct. All right, let's go back. What was the lead single off of T.I.'s album, King? What you know about that? That is correct. All right, last question. King Mez, what state is King Mez the rapper from? California. California is incorrect. All right, choose... That was a very impressive. I think that your that your uh, your batting average is is in good shape here. Uh, King Mez hails from North Carolina. He is okay. a North Carolina rapper. Um, so I thought it was like a trick question. No, I mean I, I am good for those at, from time to time, but I wasn't doing it that time. So uh, let me total up your score here. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. All right, you have scored an 11 out of 15, which is a pretty high percentage. Let me tell you who uh, is in the club with you there. But while I pull up the, uh, the rankings that I can you know, tell you who you're rubbing elbows with in the VIP, I always like to ask uh, guests, now that you've been on the show, and this is your second time on the show, right. who, uh, who should we get? And, and it, 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 it works even better if it's somebody that you can like, you know, harass with me to come on the show. So who's, who's uh, somebody that you think we should have? as a guest on the questions. Quelle Chris. I would love to get Quelle Chris. I had him on uh, on my other show, Can't Knock the Shuffle, here on Stony Island, and it was oh, great. Who, who else? Let me see, since you already had him on the other one, let's see, maybe... Uh, soundtrack? Yo, yes, I would maybe. love Soundtrack, yeah. I'm, Fire. Uh, he, I, I believe we follow each other on one of the things. I'm gonna hit him up and, and say specifically, 
that Shoes said he was going to break his legs. Uh, if, 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 if. <laughs> um, let me tell you who you're in the 11 club with, Shoes. It's, 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 a, it's an elite group here. Uh, Diallo Riddle, Kim Osorio from The Source, DJ Mighty Mai, Mr. C, Mega okay. Rain, Homeboy Sandman, Lyrics Born, Chubb Rock, Russell Peters, J Live, right. El Desensei, Salam Remy, Marco Polo, Static Selected, Dan Charnas, Brother Ali, the 11 club is a great place. Okay, to be. there we go. Yeah. All right. This is better than the 27 club. We're better than the 27 club, uh, which would be mathematically impossible for this show, but also <laughs> tragic if we weren't talking that concept. Um, shoes, what can people look out for? I know you mentioned that you have the Mike and Keys album uh, coming out on Street Corner Music in August. Uh, or is there anything else that you can share or that people should be on the lookout for from you and the label? Yes. Uh, make sure you go to street first and foremost, go to streetcornerscm.com. Hit that mailing list. Uh, we do little pop ups sometimes with exclusive little pieces that go, go by by pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, Mike and Keys, August. Uh, Quelle Chris, Shotgun Sleek Rifle later this year, vinyl, finally, Ooh. 10 year. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other shit coming. Through the pipeline, uh, make sure you tap in. I do Twitch Mondays and Wednesdays for an extremely ridiculous, uh, like, 10 hours on Mondays and Wednesdays. We just get fucking shit-faced and play heat all day, so that's always fun to pull up to. Uh, IG, Twitter, House Shoes, Street Corner, SCM. Uh, appreciate your your time and uh, and your interest. Of course. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you. We got to have you back for a third round now. You know, we'll just keep absolutely maybe it'll be like an annual uh, house shoes uh, holiday episode or something. Big thanks again to House Shoes for always being a supporter of the questions and for appearing on the podcast for a second time. Uh, go to streetcornerscm.com. That's the Street Corner Music website. He was telling me off camera about some of the releases that they have on deck, and your boy is geeked about it. And I have a feeling if you've listened this far, you probably will be too. So go there, sign up for all the things. I have a link for it in the show notes for your convenience. Um, I told you I was going to make this quick because I got the air and fan off right now. So let me hit all the points that I need to hit. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash the questions hip hop. Shout out to all the other amazing hip hop podcasts on the Stony Island Audio Network. I am proud to be a part of this excellent squad, the squad of excellence. Uh, this show's theme is by Midas the Beast in Czarism. And we will be back next week with something that you're going to enjoy. <laughs> I really got to work on a sign off. Anyway, that's it. Peace. Stony Island Audio.